Welcome back to the Enneagram Health Series. Today, we're taking a deep dive into Enneagram Type 2 for the sole purpose of helping you to live out of health that's already inside of you. That means no more chasing or fixing, but really learning how to fill yourself with energy so that you can live as your best self. This is the Made for Living Well podcast, hosted by Alexa Sherm, the place to create a life well-lived. Welcome back to this podcast. I am so honored that you're here taking part in the Enneagram Health series. Now today, we're diving into Enneagram Type 2. Yes, there's nine different types, and if you haven't figured out exactly what type you are, make sure you head on over to the Enneagram Institute and take a free quiz to find out. If you're struggling to think like, is this me? It doesn't really feel like me. One of the ways that I figured out what type I actually was, was by going through some of the negative effects of that type, like some of your fears and some of the things that maybe you do in stress. That was the way that I figured it out versus just looking at all the positives. Not because we shouldn't focus on the positives, but I think sometimes we make ourselves believe that, yes, that is me. I am that type of person because we want to be, which can really kind of confuse who you actually are under the surface. Now, of course, the goal with this is to help you live out your healthiest version, which means all of those amazing characteristics. And one of the ways that you do that is just by understanding where you go in stress and in health. And in the process of that, how do you support yourself so that you can live out of your healthiest self? That's the goal of this Enneagram series, to take what's considered your personality and use it to create health within you or to live out of health that's already inside of you, creating nourishing life rhythms that last. So along with every single episode or every single Enneagram type, I've created a specific download that helps walk you through the process of creating these nourishing life rhythms. You're going to want to check that out. It has so many amazing components to it, not just in how you should eat and how you should move. Of course, those are inside of that. But also how to healthify your mind to healthify the whole of who you are. So make sure you head on over to thelivingwell.com backslash Enneagram to download the guide for your specific Enneagram type and of course, all of your family and friends. Again, that's thelivingwell.com backslash Enneagram. And while you're there, don't forget to grab a nurse planner. Yes, a dated nourish planner goes a long ways in helping you to track and create weekly nourishing rhythms based on your specific Enneagram type. This is where the rubber meets the road, and you can start to implement that practical action by having a plan that actually works. Of course, being an Enneagram too, having a plan is important to me because it helps me set boundaries when otherwise boundaries are really difficult for me to set. Now, I have to admit, I'm not the most organized person by nature, but I do love a good paper planner where I can write down my thoughts, I can write down my schedules, things that need to get done, while also having plenty of space to dream and plan and focus on my health for the coming months and years ahead. I think you're going to love the Nurse Planner. I created it for anyone who really wants to create these nourishing life rhythms. It's more than a wellness planner. It's a life planner. It's kind of the best of both worlds. And it has plenty of white space for you to make it what you want. To get a planner, head on over to thelivingwell.com backslash nourish planner, or just click around on there. You'll find the planner, grab one for yourself. I think you're going to love it. 
And of course, I want to remind you that we are sponsoring a nonprofit on this podcast series. No one's sponsoring us. We're going to give back this year. Head on over to thelivingwell.com backslash compassion to sponsor a child in need. There's nothing more fulfilling to me than knowing that there are kids around the world who are getting the proper education and nourishment for their growing bodies. And if I can be a part of that, I want to be a part of it. It's been an amazing opportunity for my family and I to support another child, to write letters to them, to get letters from them, to buy them a few birthday gifts. It has been a great experience, not only for me, but my children as well, as we support to give back, and to care for other humans to help them grow into their best selves, just like we're doing here at The Living Well. I would love if you would take part in that. Make the commitment to sponsor a child every single month or just make a one-time donation. You can do that at thelivingwell.com backslash compassion. Okay, but for now, we're gonna dive right into Enneagram Type 2 and learn how to create nourishing life rhythms that last. Okay, so Type 2s. As I mentioned, I'm a type two, so this totally relates to me. I think this is going to be probably the easiest one for me to talk on, but I do want to get into type twos because I did learn some stuff that's really important, uh, things that make a lot more sense now, but essentially when it comes to a two and creating nourishing life rhythms, I think it's important to note that twos are probably one of the most emotional When it comes to eating and health practices and basically everything in life, we let our emotional capacity or our emotions control and drive us rather than us letting our emotions be there and us really driving our lives. So all that to say, let's start with who twos are. So the type two is the helper, the supporter, the advisor. They're in the heart triad, meaning they're really people-oriented. But basically what a two is, is they see the world through relationships and define themselves through service to others. Twos tend to be caring, they're warm, empathetic, thoughtful, appreciative, generous, others-oriented, affectionate, well-intentioned, and demonstrative. Like in health, twos are selfless, they're loving, and they're giving, and they're actually really creative beings. Basically, twos want to make the world a more loving place, and they're going to find the most creative way to do that. But in stress or in chaos, what we see with twos is there's a lot of dependency. They can become really needy. There's pride. There's hostility. There's a lot of bitterness and resentment. Basically, what happens in unhealth is twos easily just continuously stuff their feelings. And what we're going to learn is twos love to stuff their feelings with food. So this can be really challenging. But twos have a lot of feelings. They feel so big and they're so others focused that twos like to carry the weight of other people's feelings, even if that person never even asked them to do that. That's what twos do is they carry feelings and emotions of other people and themselves. And sometimes there's so many feelings, especially if we don't know how to deal with those feelings, that we just start shoving them and suppressing them and and trying to hide them, putting on a good facade that we have this boundless energy to give to help other people. So twos, we're going to work on that. But I want to get into some strengths because twos have a lot of great things going for them that are going to help create these nourishing rhythms. Just to give you a few, later on, I'm going to give you a more thorough list and specifically how it relates to health. 
But twos in general are very empathetic, warm people. They're very attractive to people because people love their nurturing. They tend to be non-judgmental, and people like that caring attitude. They value love. Um, they easily are the most people-oriented of all Enneagram types. And like I said, they want to make the world a more loving place. But on the flip side, twos have some big struggles and how it relates to the health world. I mean, given twos' basic fear is being unloved or unwanted, you're going to start to learn how this drives a two into action and how easily it is for a two to forget about themselves amidst trying to be loved and wanted by other people. So some things that twos need to work on is one, they often tend to ignore their own needs and feelings in order to maintain relationships to preserve their image of helping other people. So twos, like I said, are very good at the suppressing all of their feelings and their emotions and their own needs, setting it on the back burner to go out and give to everyone else around them. The problem also though with twos is that they tend to struggle with a little bit more pride and that it's hard to ask for help. Now, in my own life, I used to, this used to make me so mad. My mom would always say, stop being so prideful and ask for help. And I was like, how is asking for help being prideful? Like, isn't that just me being responsible and taking care of my own business and dealing with myself? Um, but the actuality is, is that we all need people in our lives and it's okay to let down those barriers. And I think what happens with the two is that we fear not being wanted or loved. Like we fear being a burden to someone else and therefore we just deal with everything ourselves, right? Like we just keep suppressing it. But the problem is we can only suppress emotions for so long before they come erupting out like a volcano. Um, And sometimes that's an explosion of anger and other feelings like months and months and months of things can come out all at one time. Or you can wreck relationships because you just pull away because you don't feel like you're being loved or wanted and you feel vulnerable in that. Um, Other ways is literally that it can wreck your health. Because what we know about twos is, is the suppressing of feelings is just amplifying stress in their lives. So the more feelings we pack on from other people, the more our cortisol goes up and the more adrenal glands get stressed and our whole entire hormonal cascade gets thrown out of whack. Not to mention, twos like to eat their feelings. They tend to be one of the highest proportionate of emotional eaters, which when you combine that with the fact that twos don't necessarily have this high scope of body image, like twos are less worried about how their body looks and they're more in tuned to be flattering with their personality um, and to, to be recognized for what they do rather than for what they look like. And so twos really do like to eat their feelings and stuff it. Um, They like the dopamine hit that they're looking for in other people. They can get that from food. So like I said, we have to stop ignoring our feelings um, and start dealing with those. And you're going to see this trickle throughout. Like, I feel like if you listen to Enneagram type one, there are some very practical like once, keep meal planning, you know, like keep your schedule. Um, you're great at routines. Like that's very practical information. Twos are very open and flexible and they're go-getters. We just have to channel all of that in the right direction. And that really starts from just like spoiler alert, but dealing with your emotions, which isn't always easy. And it's definitely not something twos like. Like we like dealing with other people's emotions and feeling for them, but we don't like doing it for ourselves. And so we have to take that and let that out. Number two is that type twos do all things to help or please. 
We can come off as flattery, intrusive, needy. But I think in this, what we do is that we somehow want to fix other people and we think in the fixing of them that will get fixed. And this is what I believe for so long. Like if I just keep giving, if I just keep helping them, at some point, I'm going to fix myself through that process. But the truth is, is that we can't look at helping so many other people. Like that's almost a distraction mechanism. Like there's no amount of helping other people that we're going to be helped ourselves. We have to we have to learn, again, to help our emotions, to deal with our emotions. Number three is twos are notorious for not having boundaries. <laughs> Uh, We like to intrude on other people's spaces, even if they haven't asked. Like I said, twos are great at carrying other people's emotions, even if it was never asked upon them. Um, But we also lack boundaries ourselves. So we can easily become codependent. Um, We can easily let other people take control of us because twos tend to be yes people. And this is something that I have really had to work on, that I don't have to say yes to everyone. I don't have to try and help everyone because in that, like, I'm really helping no one because I'm struggling, right? Like, we can only, like, twos, I think this is what I want you to know. You are only capable of helping other people if you are healthy yourself. Like, there's no amount of helping other people that's going to make you more healthy. Yes, in some cases, we can give, and that's very filling for us. But we can't just give with this underlying expectation that somehow we're going to be more wanted or loved, right? Like it's a motivation factor. And so we have to start creating boundaries around ourselves. We have to learn to be no people. Or in my case, it's not no yet. Like I just say, um, I'll get back to you, right? Like I'll get back to you. That's my my go-to now. So it gives me time and space alone to process that. And I think the last thing that twos need to understand is that growth is a process. Like we can't fix everything quickly. And in fact, like I don't even know what we can fix. There are things inside of our control and that is ourselves. And I think that if we step back into that and we start dealing with that, yes, we can help. We can love everyone else. But I don't think we can fully do that until we're healthy ourselves. And I think if we try then we're just going to get crushed um, through expectations and disappointments of unmet expectations, but also through um, just massive amounts of cortisol and stress on the adrenals from stuffing our emotions. So twos, I really want this to be your motive, that you have to learn to fill yourself up before you give, because your tank is only so big. Even though it seems like we have this endless energy, we really only have X amount of energy. And if we go through all of that without filling ourselves back up, we will run dry. We will burn out. Type twos are the number one type to burn out or to quit or to give up, to suffer with depression and anxiety and all the things. And it's because they just give and give and give and give and give until there's nothing left and they forget that they have to fill themselves up. But I think if we go back to the basic fear, why twos like to give is because they want to feel loved and they want to feel wanted. I want to feel loved and I want to feel wanted. And my fear is that I won't. And so to rationalize this in our heads, I think what we do as twos is that we give and give and give and give because we think that's the only way to love, right? Like we think that in order to be loved, we have to give. We have to do something. But the truth of the matter is, if a two really wants to be healthy and live in full um, capacity to have all of these strengths really show, I think we have to come back to ourselves and recognize that we, as we are, 
are enough and that we are loved exactly as we are and we don't have to work for love because that's an endless chase and I don't think you'll ever arrive in finding that in some human or some person or some achievement, right? Like we have to live loved first before we go out and love other people. Otherwise, those unmet expectations are devastating. So let's live with the motive that first you have to fill yourself up. And I think if you love yourself enough, then you start to recognize how important it is to fill rather than it is to fix. So we have to fill. And I think we have to take that mindset to other people too. We don't have to fix them, but we can fill them. But we can only fill them if we're filled ourselves. So how do we do this too? Well, I think it it comes back that we have to be gentle with ourselves. Like we have to listen to our needs. Twos are very aware, right? Like we can see other people and other needs before most other people can even recognize that there's a problem, which can be good, but it can also be bad. But the problem is, is that we often spend all of our energy looking at other people's needs that we forget about our own or we don't look inward. So I think we have to kind of take this step back, step away and the solitude and silence and really reflect on who are we? Because I think twos can easily lose themselves in the shuffle. We can morph into whatever the situation needs us to be, and we forget our true identity. So I think we have to go back, who are we, and what is our identity, and what needs do we have? And I think through that process, we can start to recognize those needs, and we can easily and simply provide for them in our everyday life to sustain and heal us physically and mentally so that we have more to give. So I think too is we need to spend some more time processing through our feelings and our emotions and who we are and taking some time to just be, to just be still and silent so that we know ourselves enough to know what it is and how to care for that. That's my really big tip for twos is that we have to have some time of stillness and solitude and alone time. And when I talk about burnout, it's interesting that they found that one of the best ways for twos to prevent burnout is to provide daily solitude. It's important for twos to be alone in the absence of everyone. And the reason is, even if you're sitting with someone else in a room and you're not talking, twos still have a tendency to feel for them. (laughs) Like we have a tendency to kind of analyze and figure out their needs and how their demeanor is and feel for them. (laughs) And so it's important that too is we have to get alone. Like we have to create space and margin in our lives to just be. Now, this was huge for me and my healing journey. And probably one of the most influential things that I did was just create space first thing in the morning to get alone. And in this space, I was able to check on my mind, to check on my heart, to check on my body. Like, how are things going? And I eventually learned in this space that journaling was huge for me to kind of release the emotions that I was carrying around other people and fill myself up through that journaling process and through prayer and all the things that I was doing in my quiet space. So for me, one of the most influential things that I've done is that in the morning, I create a time of solitude and space where I can reflect and journal. Now, I try to do this first thing in the morning because twos have a tendency, like we're we're go-getters. We like to do this and The second our feet hit the ground, we are going. But that can be a detriment. So it's really hard, right, to slow us down once we get going and we start living our day. So I really try to make an emphasis on doing this first thing in the morning to set my day on the right foot. 
However, that doesn't always happen. And so I still will make sure I'm prioritizing that. Like that is still so important to my well-being that I really, really have found time for that in my everyday life. It could be five minutes. It could be 10 minutes. It could be an hour. Whatever you need, find a solitude. Other things that have been really great is taking a Sabbath, like taking one day off of social media, one day off of work, like just being for an entire day out of the week. Because again, twos, we we like to carry the weight of other people. And if you do that seven days a week, 24 hours a day, it is exhausting. Um, and so finding that space in those places where you can just step away from life for a minute, take a breath, knowing things aren't going to crumble, it's going to be okay, and we can have that space. So for me, that means like one day a week, I'm not on social media. One day a week, I'm trying not to do chores around the house, or I'm trying not to go above and beyond on my to-do list, right? Like just creating space and again, creating margin in our everyday life. But if we keep going with this, like given that twos are so naturally attuned to others' feelings... When it comes to our own, we tend to numb them or suppress them or stuff them. And like I mentioned before, twos have a way of doing this with food. It's not like it's bad to eat those foods, but when you're eating them in excess and they're accompanied by a wave of shame and guilt, it becomes another stress, right? Like it's not healthy for our body. And so if you want to eat well, I wonder... What would happen or what would change in our whole scope of how we eat and how we exercise if we process these emotions through a new lens, right? Rather than stuffing and suppressing them, what are some ways that you could incorporate processing these emotions? Like I said, I go to therapy. I have counselors. I um, journal every day. I'm really trying to be better about voicing my feelings before the resentment builds, like calling it as it is right away. And so I'll either text a friend or I'll call my husband and I'll just say, hey, this is bothering me. All I need to do is vent it out so I don't let the bitterness build and I'll feel better. You don't have to do anything or say anything, but just listen. And that has been so huge for me. So I, I, I just wonder, like, could our health just simply change if we just learn to process our emotions in a different way? And along with that, if we just started to... What do I want to say? To recognize that our needs are valuable too, and that we can take time and space to do that. And really, the more that we take time and space to heal ourselves and fill ourselves, the more that we have to give and the more on mission and on purpose and fulfilled that we'll actually feel. So it's important too to know that we stuff our feelings and we often stuff it with food. We're very emotional eaters. And the best way to take this away is to deal with the emotion so that you don't have to eat it. (laughs) Um, It's not trying to get rid of the food because that's creating more emotions and more feelings of guilt and shame. It's actually doing the opposite. So don't just try to take away the food, but deal with the emotion. And I think that's the most critical thing for a two to be doing. So some of your strengths and weaknesses, some strengths that you should really be relying on is that you have a lot of energy. And if you just channel that in the right direction, you can do great and huge things. Like it's not going to take a lot for you to fill yourself back up. What I'm saying is, is that simple little everyday self-care practices that you love 
is all that it takes. It could be a quick bath at night. It could be journaling in the morning for five minutes. It doesn't take a lot for you to feel full. And it's just channeling that energy in the right direction because you do have a lot of natural energy. So that is a huge strength. Another strength is that you're very open to new ideas and you're a very technically flexible person with these new ideas. And so I think we need to know that and know that choose love adventure and we love trying new things and we're very open to that. We won't naturally go for that because we have so many other needs that need to be met. So sometimes we just need to schedule in new things or try new food at a restaurant, like open up our creativity and like kind of cut back on the chaos by just reaching out, branching out, stepping out of our normal everyday life and having more fun and doing more adventures. We also love to be with people. Uh, Like I said, we're one of the top people-oriented Enneagram types. And so doing things with other people, like whether it's hosting dinner parties or making mealtime at home a priority, sitting down at the table, or if you're at work, sitting with your coworkers rather than at your desk trying to help other people get work done, right? Take time to enjoy food because you really do have a great view of food. It's just doing it in the right way. And that's with other people enjoying the process. The same thing goes with exercise. Like if you're struggling with your exercise routine, try signing up for a group exercise class or ask a buddy to go for a walk. Do things with other people because that drives you forward. But of course, you can only do that if you're practicing times of solitude because we really do need that alone time in order to fill ourselves back up. So it's a balance of that. Um, but also, like I said, you're flexible, you're loyal, you tend to stick with your routine once you establish that. So once you establish that, you're very routine oriented and you're an go-getter. You're going to get this done. So those are some strengths to rely on. When it comes to weaknesses or things that we need to be aware of, I mean, we kind of mentioned these. We need to be aware that we're emotional eaters. So if you're feeling highly emotional, maybe it's important to recognize that. And instead of stuffing that, Think about how you could just deal with those emotions, whether it's talking to someone or journaling or or whatever it is. Like I said, I just text someone. That way I don't feel the need to stuff them and eat through that. Also, we're most likely to burn out. So I think it's important every morning to do like a mindset check. How close are you to burning out? Like, how are you doing today? And if you're not doing well, create the space to get yourself well. Uh, this is critical because it's not just burning out. It's not just quitting. It's not just taking a mental health day. But really what we're seeing when we burn out is that once you get there, your body is exhausted and it's overwhelmed and it's unhealthy. And so we have to get back to health. And that takes daily being aware of what you're doing and working on that. Another weakness is that we easily let others' needs override our own. And this is why I said it's important to fill yourself up first thing in the day before you encounter a lot of other needs because it's really difficult to say no to those and I don't expect that, but it's also difficult to walk away when you see a need. And so that's why I think it's really, really, really important for twos to take time to refill their tank first thing in the morning before needs arise. I also think at the end of the day, like bookending your day with filling yourself back up is really healthy. So while I have a morning routine at night, I also like to read books and take a hot bath, like simple little things that really do fill that tank back up. And again, I think it comes back to just learning about yourself, to know yourself enough to recognize what strengths that you have that you don't have to look for other people to notice 
to feel loved and to feel wanted. The world needs suits. Like this, we make the world go round, right? Like we get stuff done when people need help. Um, And so don't ever feel unloved or unwanted, even though that's easier said than done. Practically speaking, like I said, try signing up for a group workout class if you're struggling to work out. It's not like twos are highly competitive people. And so we don't have to sign up for a race or like that's probably not what's going to drive you. But what is going to drive you is the discipline of doing it with other people. So going on a walk or even if you want to make your exercise program your solitude time, like doing hikes alone or running on your own, those can be really filling times. I think it's just doing it with the right mindset. And then, like I said, we need to have a list of self-care practices that we can go to when we're feeling overly emotional or overly stressed or when we're carrying the weight of other people so that we don't go back to stuffing our emotion with food or other drugs. You know, what is it? Like, just create a list. And in my handout that I give you in the show notes, I have you make a list of self-care practices that you can turn to. Like, quick and easy things. Some of them could be more intense. But for me, it's like taking the rest of the day off social media, taking a hot bath, going outside for five minutes of sunshine, going on a quick walk, um, picking up a book, calling a friend, texting a friend, getting in the sauna, um, going on a run. Like there's lots of different things that you could add, but it has to be specific to you. So making a list of those and going back to those when you feel overly emotional. And really, like I said, every day, just creating margin in your day. Twos like to plan. We like to write things out too. And we're to-do list kind of people. And so creating margin in those to-do lists, not writing too many things down, setting alarms for times when you just need to make sure you're taking space, like following through with that. You're routine oriented, but we need to branch out of that and create that margin in our life that we can just be. So those are some things for Enneagram type twos. Now, like I said, we tend to let our emotions drive us in unhealthy ways. And this can lead to envy and bitterness and resentment and all the things. So in order to prevent that, I think we need to be very clear about who we are. Like what is our identity and how do we feel loved outside what everyone else is telling us? Like we need to go back to that. And I think sometimes what we're looking for other people to provide, we could just provide ourselves. And so what is it that you want someone else to tell you or what is it that you want someone else to notice and how could you just take that back into your own hands and provide love and respect in a way uh, that fulfills that, that satisfies that. So when I was thinking about all this, like I said, twos have big, big feelings. I always tell my husband, I'm like, my heart is like three sizes too big. I don't know how to deal with this. It's great that we have huge hearts, but it is learning to deal with these emotions and knowing that while you can have the emotion and you can feel that emotion, it does not have to drive your life. And I notice this, like if I carry the weight of too many other people's emotions, it can ruin my day. And that is not healthy. And so while I can feel that and I can be empathetic about that um, and I can maybe help that, I don't let it have to be the driving force of my life. That is my choice, what I put in the driver's seat. And I think, too, is we need to be more aware of what is driving our life um, and stopping the unhealthy emotion from doing that. Okay, I could keep going on about this. But twos, I really want you to go over to grab that free guide. It's over at the show notes. And I'm breaking down more prompts, um, self-care lists that you can create and really just helping you to get in check with your emotions. Because that is what twos, this is not what I wanted to tell you, trust me, because 
I'm a two and I didn't want to hear that. Like it doesn't seem like an easy practical thing I can add to my to-do list, but I'm telling you it can be, and it doesn't have to be these big drawn out things, but you can easily deal with your emotions. I mean, not easily, like it takes work and deep work. And I think sometimes maybe therapy or signing up for counseling, like that has been huge for me of just starting to understand how do we even process this? But I did not want to tell you that twos, really what we need to deal with more than anything is just the emotional health of things. Because really, if we take that and we get our emotional health dealt with, we really have a great view of everything else. Like we're disciplined, we're flexible, that we have a lot going for us. Almost always, it's not about Um, what we're doing, but it's about how we're feeling. And that's what's driving a two. And so if we can deal with that, everything else will kind of fall into place. Is it a big thing? Absolutely. But I think in dealing with that, it will help the entire course of your life. Like it's a big thing right now, but once you deal with it, then you can learn to maintain it. And it just makes this process easy, like simple health and simple nourishing life rhythms that you can do for life. And that's the purpose of this. So the big point, too, is we've got to deal with our emotional health, and I don't know exactly what that looks like with you, but go over to the show notes, and I hope that download will help you figure that out. Okay, that's it for today, but don't forget to come back later this week where I'm going to be interviewing a friend who is also a two, and we're going to have like a little dialogue on what it's like to be a two, some hurdles, ways that we've gotten ourselves healthy and dealt with these emotions, and just some lasting encouragement for you. So make sure you check back later this week to get that interview where we give you like more just every day. This is what it looks like in our lives. And also just to encourage you that, hey, if you're two, sometimes it can feel lonely. And I hope that this tells you that you're not alone. <laughs> Twos, this is normal. This is how we work. And this is how we can heal. So check back for that. But again, don't forget to head to the show notes, download that free guide and start working on it before we jump into that. Also, while you're there, don't forget to sign up for my email list and share this podcast with the friends and family or your followers on social media. Just take a screenshot, share it with them. I would love, love, love for other people to join in this journey of like-minded people who are on a mission to live with health rather than for it. Don't forget to tune in to the next episode as I interview my friend, Carly, on what it's like to live healthy as an Enneagram 2. I'll see you there.